are listening to the Strong Towers Podcast, a podcast where all topics are on the table, from brotherhood and faith, culture and wisdom. So pull up a chair and join us as we talk about the things that build us up and make us strong. Hey guys, welcome back to another Strong Towers Podcast. Uh, this is your host. Tom here with Mike and John as always and uh, this week uh, we're kind of doing a, an any day of the week episode if you uh, if you caught our our episode last week oh no wait sorry two weeks ago because we have a lost in action episode wow we're gonna bring that up right off the bat huh right <laughs> off right off, right off the bat full transparency <laughs> um, so uh, our, our last episode that came out, we kind of had a lot of fun talking about some of our favorite movie scenes and, and uh, what exactly it was that, that we enjoyed about them and, you know, and make us go back to those movies uh, over and over and over again. Um, and so maybe you got some viewing uh, ideas out of that or, or made you think of some of the uh, kind of influential scenes from movies um, that you have. But uh one of the things that, that we realized is as we kept coming back to some of these scenes uh, was that they often speak to uh, particular things about um, either the topic of identity or for us individually about our specific identities, uh, that they're hitting on certain things that, that we really value as a part of ourselves. Um, and so we just wanted to spend a little bit more time uh, digging into that idea, it, it's actually uh, it's a topic that um, all three of us have really enjoyed uh, getting to learn about and understand about ourselves and how our identity uh, plays into our journey and and this this life that we're walking. Um, and so we just wanted to to kind of dig a little bit deeper on that in this episode. And we're still going to talk about some more movies as we do it too. So oh, absolutely, <laughs> very much a continuation of the previous episode. That's such a good teaching tool. Yeah. Well, and I think in that last episode, um, and again, I, we're really hoping the lost episode shows up at some point because there was some good stuff in there. Yeah. Um, so hopefully everybody enjoyed the week off in between. Um, we did not. Mike was flipping his office and we were <laughs> sorting through all kinds of you know, interwebs space trying to find things. But hopefully you all enjoyed it. I don't know if we're going to mention the topic of that, but I also kind of find it like a little bit funny <laughs> that the fact that I had technolo- like a like a technology glitch in, in everything that we had is also in an episode on in an episode about technology. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah, it, it was beautifully ironic. Yes. Um, so in that last episode that we actually aired on movies, um, you know, we were talking about at the close of it, you know, this this question that showed up at a conference where you know they ask a room full of guys what's your favorite movie hands go up all over the place it's a lot of the the classic you know male movies and that's that's not a, a value judgment it's just the things that you would expect to hear in a room full of guys gladiator saving private ryan uh you know, lord of the rings marvel movies you know stuff like that uh you know lots of other movies that would pop up in the midst of it um that still, I think, speak to the masculine heart a lot. A lot of sports movies, mm-hmm. um, you know, Rudy, things like that, yeah. Miracle. Um, and one of the things that they do with the follow-up question is they're like, all right, what do you love about that movie? And, you know, it's a lot of the themes that we talked about. It's it's overcoming, mm-hmm. it's brotherhood, it's sacrifice, it's, you know, going after something greater, you know, than the individual. Uh, 
But one of the themes that comes up a lot is this sense of, you know, like, I feel like I'm in that movie. Like, I feel like me is, is a part of that. And they ask the question, like, right, so, so who, who would you love to be mm-hmm. in that movie? And then, like, before the brain can start churning too fast, they throw in this sort of curveball question of, and who are you afraid you might actually be yeah. in that movie? And it's it's just such a a disruptive series of questions, mm-hmm. be, because of the self examination that it prompts, right? That it we have this thing that we aspire to, and then we also have this part of us that we're fairly certain isn't good. And so, like one of them that that comes up, you know, I, I love the the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, I read The Hobbit when I was in like fifth grade, and and I think I've read it a dozen times since. And I loved, you know, the the single book trilogy that comes after of the the Lord of the Rings itself. And uh, Aragorn is just, I mean, he's he's not only a central figure to the story, but he he's such an an aspirational figure. I mean, there's so much good in him, and there's you know so much heartache and pain in his story that, you know, it's, it's an easy connection to make for a lot of people. And so that's a natural fit for a lot of people, you know, like he's, he's so sacrificial, you know, he's so noble, he's so courageous, he's so valiant. He's got sweet long hair, which I'm aspiring (laughs) to at the moment. (laughs) He's got a, you know, fantastic sword and, you know, he becomes a king at the end. Like what's wrong with any of that? But they asked that curveball question of, but who do you think you probably are in the movie? And suddenly that aspirational character feels too out of reach. Right. And instead it feels like, well, I'm probably like one of the hobbits, right? <laughs> like these short guys with the hairy feet that don't know how to do anything other than need constant help. Right. Right. Or if you know the, the movie or the book well, it, like I'm probably Boromir, mm. right? Like I have the potential to be big and strong and courageous, but when push comes to shove, I'm going to fold Yeah. and I'm going to become selfish and I'm gonna fail. Yeah, and and it's this, it's this really disruptive place to go to the things that we love for entertainment, and realize that so often they're speaking to us at a deeper level. Right. Uh, so if you guys are willing, you know, throw out one that comes to mind of like movie you love, character you would love to be, and character in that same movie you feel like you probably are. So I think for me, a lot of times I tend to go and it's just, I think that's 90% of the movies anyways, but like the underdog stories, right? Sure. Any movie out there that I'm like, man, yeah, that's, this guy's overcoming something. He's, he's, it's his point to be the, nobody expects him to win and he's going to win. Sometimes he doesn't win, but the whole point of him overcoming that obstacle, right? So not a great movie for a lot of older folks because they're, you know, traditionalists and they like the original Rocky series. But for me, <laughs> Creed. Creed was a movie that I fell in love with. Maybe not so much the second one, but the first one to me was an awesome movie because I saw a kid who was an orphan, for lack of a better term, right? He was he was adopted, ended up being adopted, and I don't want to ruin the, the movie for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. But he, he gets adopted and he follows in his father's footsteps and becomes a fighter, right? And he follows a very similar path and has to like prove to everybody that he's his own name. He's his own person, but has so many similarities to his dad mm-hmm. and he is not going to make it right. He is the guy that, no, nah, man, you're not as good as your dad. You're not as good as these other guys. You're just, a, a, you're never, you're, you're never going to happen. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those scenes where I automatically was like, oh yeah, I relate 
so much to that story. I am going to that. That's my dude. That's the guy that I am. Mm-hmm. But then it's also kind of like one of those ones where you do follow up that story and be like, well, who who are you afraid you are? Mm-hmm. And it is scary to think that like, wow, wait, I have a lot of the same kind of anger, the same kind of mentality right now. And it's not always a healthy place, right? It looks good in a story to see this guy overcome, mm-hmm. but it isn't until he realizes later on in the story that, hey, ultimately he is his father's son. Mm-hmm. Ultimately he is, he isn't like the best as, as much as he thinks he is. So the, I almost feel like you can kind of answer that question as the character changes and Absolutely. develops that, hey, yep. I'm afraid that I'm him at the act one and I want to be him at act three, right? Yep. And I think yeah. that's that's yeah. one of the scenes where I'm like, that's where I relate to when it comes to, to movies is that character and as it's developing and where I want to be at in that story arc. Yep. Yeah. So uh, mine is actually similar to that, Mike, and, and I'll, I'll kind of steal your answer too, John. When, when I first heard that question, my immediate response was also Aragorn, you know, like, I, I want to be this dude. This you is know, why we're friends. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, you know, and then, uh, but then the follow-up, um, you know, as I, as I was thinking about it, the answer that came to me is that I'm afraid I'm Strider. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm that act one Aragorn, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I have some idea about what my identity and what my destiny is. And I am uh, hiding from it, if not actively running from it. Uh, You know, and so that dichotomy of the character for me uh, has really encapsulated a lot of stuff um, about my identity. Um, And and I feel this isn't a movie, but um, I I feel the same way about um, the story of Gideon in, in the Bible. Um, you know, and I actually have uh, a tattoo from uh, from God calling him out as a mighty man of valor, mm-hmm. uh, and and that sounds amazing. Like you know, Gideon goes on to do these great things, and God calls him mighty man of valor. And um, and and one of the reasons that I got the tattoo was uh, actually to remind myself that a God has called me the same thing, and b uh, Gideon is hiding in a hole in the ground yeah. when God calls him that, yeah. um, and, and feels the least of these. And, and a lot of times, you know, that's, that's what, how I feel about myself. And I have to remember that there is a bigger story and there's something more to my identity than what I'm experiencing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think if, you know, for the guys at home with people listening to this, I think if you just pause for a second, pause us. We'll stop. We'll wait for you. It's fine. Um, you know, start thinking through some of those favorite movies, favorite movie scenes, and you know, just offering these sort of <coughs> these two options of processing through this question. You know, we, we talked in the in the movie night episode about like even some of the Disney movies, right? Like this is the classic hero's journey. I mean, this is the narrative construct of most of the great stories that we love. Right there, there is a a calling up and out away from what is known and what's comfortable. You know, there there's a journey, there's a quest, there's a mission, there's a fight, there's a, a whatever that you're being called up into. And right away at the outset, there's you know this this barrier, this obstacle, this thing that's fairly you're you're fairly certain you can't get past. Right, you don't have what it takes. You're inadequate. You're insufficient. And then even as you get these these short-term victories that allow you to progress, that allow you to find the guides that help you on your quest, that, you know, 
you there, there's always the helper, right? Right. In, yeah. in every great story, there's always somebody that that shows up when most needed, and you know provides inspiration, provides mm-hmm. wisdom, provides assistance at, to help you do what you couldn't do on your own. And there's always this, you know, great titanic clash, at, you know, before there's resolution and before there's the change in who this person was. But throughout the journey, there's always the times where the hero is, as much as they're looking forward to what they need to do, they're constantly looking in the rearview mirror going, I'm pretty sure I'm still that scared little whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, kid, animated lion, like you know, whatever the character is, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm still pretty sure I'm that. Yeah. Right? Like I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm still little lion cub Simba. I'm pretty sure I'm still scared yeah. little Simba that checked out in Hakuna Matata. Yeah, yeah. I'm not the brave one everyone tells me to be. Yeah. Right? I, I'm not Aragorn. I am Strider. Yeah. Right? I, I'm not general maximus i'm just the gladiator in the arena like yeah there's always that temptation to accept the smaller role to accept Mm -hmm. the smaller story to accept the worst in us and so when we're talking about this concept of identity i think that's what we're trying to get at is the sense of our truest value and worth Mm -hmm. right this the truest sense of our place in this world where we belong and what we're meant to do and who we're meant to be you know, what is truest and best about us. Yeah. So not just a name, not, not just a title, not just an occupation, not just a role, but sort of those, those core components that those kinds of movies seem to evoke yeah. so well and at the same time are so revealing mm-hmm. when we're feeling like we're not quite measuring up. Does that sound like where we're going with this? Yeah, 100%. I like, I, I mean, and it, it's a great point and it's a great way to segue from what we were talking about before in the movie scenes and how we relate to that, to how we find our, you know, like you said, our true identity and that I think for me, especially like the first time that we had like this discussion and we started diving deep into, you know, who we are and who we relate to in movies, the problem that I had, and maybe, you know, some of you guys have kind of overcome this as well, but trying to balance that, like humble, take the lower yeah. seed, I can't be this great character in the movie, like that is not my place. I am definitely the, you know, furry feet, uh, hobbit, like you said. Right. So, so how do you, how do you hear that? And how do you overcome that? And how do you live more into that calling when you've been told so much to stay humble, stay, stay, don't get too full of yourself, you know? And for me, that's, I, that's really been one of those things where I've had to kind of balance the, it's okay to be to have these, you know, emotions of wanting to be great and wanting to do things, you know, job well done, but also not being the guy who's, you know, uh, uh, since we're going with Disney movies, you know, the the Gaston of the movie, right? right. So, <laughs> so, so I don't know if you guys have had to have had have had to um, battle that as well to kind of trying to I mm. to accept the identity that you've been called mm-hmm. without fear of of pride. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, the, especially, you know, as, as, uh, as Christians, uh, trying to live out of our identity, you know, I think you're absolutely right, Mike, we're told all the time, you know, humility, humility, humility. Mm -hmm. I think Morgan Snyder says, says a really great thing in the, uh, becoming a king material. Uh, and that is you take the lower seat until everyone around you can't help, but pull you up. Yeah. That, um, you know, that, that you 
have proven yourself to be such a solid guy in whatever area um, that, uh, you know, that essentially greatness is, is going to come for you no matter what. And, and you're going to find yourself living out of that identity. And that's, I think why, you know, the underdog stories touch on something a lot of times, you know, you, you see this, this character who uh, just kind of is quietly showing up all the time, just consistently showing up. They're not the biggest or strongest or fastest or whatever, but they're there and they're, they're always um, putting in the work. And then, uh, you know, something pivotal ends up in the movie uh, working out because of their presence. And that's the moment where like everybody realizes, Oh, Hey, uh, you know, like you actually do have something to offer. Um, John, you, you talked about the how to train your dragon, mm-hmm. uh, series, right? Like that's hiccups story. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the story, the movies are told from his point of view. And so we kind of have an idea that, okay, something is going to be happening with this kid, but he, you know, nobody thinks that he has anything to offer, uh, in, in this Viking life that they lead in their village. And, uh, and lo and behold, by, uh, not giving into what other people think that his calling should be and just always showing up and doing what he thinks is, is the thing he should be doing. Um, turns out he's the one that saves the day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And to use that character analogy and to also talk about what you were saying, Mike, with the idea of pride and you know, how do you avoid being so humble that you don't step into who you are? Right. But at the same time, how do you not get over inflated with, man, I am great <laughs> and, and you know, go down that path. And I, I think there's, there's something in us that resonates when we're being authentic. Yeah. There, there's something that resonates in us when we are being the truest version of ourself. Um, it's, it's almost like in music. Mm-hmm. Right. And, like when you're off by a little bit, it's unpleasant to the ear. <laughs> when you're off by a lot, it's really unpleasant. <laughs> but when you just nail a note, either with a voice or an instrument, and it's just pure and sweet and dead on, like it's just, you feel it, right? And you know it's rightness, even if you've not been fully trained. Like mm-hmm. somebody who doesn't know music, here's someone hit a note that's right, mm-hmm. And they're just like, man, that that was beautiful. And even someone that's not trained hears a note that's wrong, and they're like, yeah, what was that? And I think it's very much the case with us. Other people often see us more clearly than we see ourselves. For sure. But I think even if we're being honest with ourselves, like Gaston, deep down, knows he's a prick. <laughs> right? He knows he's faking it. Yeah. Right? He knows he's putting on a show for the ladies and LeFou, and- like he knows that he's not being authentic, right. right? Because it shows up at the end when his cowardice comes to the surface. For sure, for sure, right? And and it becomes apparent to everyone, himself and others, that this has just been posturing from day one, and he really doesn't know who he is, right? And you know, it's the same with hiccup, right? He, like he has, he tries to do, and he knows it's it's false. Right. He tries to do like the brash Viking swagger. Yep. And it's just, and it looks ridiculous. And everybody else knows it and he knows it. And so when there's this shift and he just, he starts to offer the thing that is authentically him, 
he knows it and other people recognize it. And it's just, it's that sweet spot where you, you can't deny the rightness of the thing. Yeah. You can't deny that this is who this person mm-hmm. is. This is who this person was meant to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I liked what you said it earlier about having that helper and that somebody who comes along to try to aid the hero into his journey. How much of that also plays into identifying yourself, right? How much of that also, like, we've kind of gone to the Lion King here. So, you know, we have that whole scene with uh, Rafiki. I know who you are, you know, and, mm-hmm. and kind of speaking that truth into into Simba. Um and so when I think about identifying myself and how much of this journey I have to have, you know, ultimately with God and ultimately having this like relationship to try to find my identity, but I'm a big team guy. You know, I've always said this. I'm, I love being part of a team. I love being able to kind of bounce ideas back off each other, you know, iron sharpens iron kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it important or is it something that can be done as well as far as like being identity being called out through others? Like is something that like as we go through the story, sometimes like I feel like I need that extra, you know kicking the fourth point of contact and that's being like hey mike you're not being this person who i know you are yeah right and sometimes having those teams and that that friendship to kind of help each other along is is vital in a lot of this stuff right too so i'm not sure if there's any other you know there's multiple paths to, to, to different things but when i think about identity it's not always just the hey how do i see myself but how others see me right and how others have have looked that into me and say hey man i see this about you you truly have this calling to be great in this way. Yeah. Let me speak that truth into you. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that's super, super important. Matt Chandler from the village church in Texas says, uh, everybody's got blind spots. Oh yeah. And, and, and they're called blind spots because we can't see them. So we need other people to tell us the things that we're not seeing. Um, and so, like you said, to, to, you know, I, I call this out in you. This is yeah. something that I see that, you know, that you have in you that I, you probably aren't seeing yourself, but I think it even goes uh, one step further than that. Um, because particularly in, in terms of, uh, of our calling and, and our faith journey, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, where we take the biggest hits is in the area of our identity. Yep. And yeah. so there's, there's a lot of, a lot of wounding, a lot of uh, lies that we've taken in just over the course of our life, particularly around the idea of who are, um, who am I supposed to be? Um, And so, you know, having other people come alongside to start to unpack that and, and to start calling out some of those things and say, you know what, you're, you're believing something right now that is not true about who you are. Um, It is very helpful. And I think, um, is very hard to do on your own, mm-hmm. yeah. um, at least initially, you know, while you're starting down this journey, yeah. um, you know, you need those people around you to, to have those conversations. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't do this on your own. Yeah. Right. It, it's too yeah. hard to see yourself clearly mm-hmm. at the outset. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you have been so shaped and so formed by all of those negative, unhealthy, unaffirming, unvalidating experiences. Yeah. Right. But then this is also the danger of inviting people into a place of permission to help you understand who Mm -hmm. you are is because that's half the reason why you got it jacked up in the first place. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, oftentimes, and it's not because they're not trying their best, but I mean, parents do this unintentionally Mm -hmm. 
with kids, right? Mostly because they're the first point of contact for yeah. the majority of people, right? And you spend enough time with people, like you're going to have hurt feelings, you're going to have misunderstandings, you're going to have misinterpreted actions. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it begins for a lot of people. For others, it's a teacher or a coach. Mm-hmm. Like I think back on my decade and a half in the classroom, and I can't remember specific instances, thankfully, because I'm not sure I could handle the guilt, but I know there are times that I mishandled the way that a child saw themselves because of the way that I talked to them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's so, it's so easy to do because you miss the mark when you start talking about who they are instead of what they did. Mm. Right. Or even if you're trying your best to talk about what they did instead of who they are, that line gets blurred in the interpretation. Mm. And instead of hearing that you made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. Mm-hmm right? That gets mistranslated on its way in through the ear and into the brain and down to the heart. And that moment of failure, that moment of embarrassment, that moment of suddenly becomes a moment of defining shame Right. of it wasn't the thing, it was the me. Mm. Right. And, And so that is the danger. And that's the work that then has to be undone. If you can find it in yourself to trust people to speak what is true. Yeah. Because, I mean, then you also have the challenge of allowing the truth to undo the false. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, and psychologists have studied this that, I mean, you walk out of the house, you're pretty sure you're looking sharp for the day. I mean, whether it's just a day or it's like interview day or, you know, whatever, you're pretty sure you look good and you get like, I don't know, four, five, six, you get like a compliment, you get like a double take look at you, you get like the, the whatever and then somebody gives you the other look <laughs> and that's the one that sticks. Like yeah. that's the impression that lingers mm-hmm. and you spend yeah. the rest of the day feeling like, man, I must look like hot garbage. I yeah. need to go home and change all of this yeah. and burn the whole outfit. Right. And so much more so in this place of identity mm-hmm. when we're not talking about the outer, when we're not talking about the exterior, but we're talking about the innermost part of us. Yeah the thing that most needs to be known as good and so is the most vulnerable to being told that it's not. Mm -hmm. I mean, that takes one or two good shots. Yeah. And I mean, for most of us, that's years Mm -hmm. to undo that. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're right. I mean, you need others that see you clearly. Yeah. But that's so hard to believe them when (laughs) others that were supposed to see you clearly. Yeah took that shot instead. Yeah, for reals. Yeah. And, yeah, and especially having those teams and the and that group that can truly call out the the true identity, right? Like we were kind of hitting on like you can paint this perfect picture of who you think you are and kind of, you know, that outer shell. Um, but it is, like you guys said, it's important to have that that group of men like we've talked about in, in, in previous episodes to be able to say, all right, man, you're you're not really that guy. Like yeah. I, 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 I see the mask you're putting on. I see the, you know, the, the fakeness. Like yeah. let's be, let's cut down into it and this is who you really are. That per- And that person is great, right? It's not, it's not like you're, you know, this horrible, terrible, no good, very bad person underneath, right? But right. you have this, you have this ability to just have friends that can be able to say, hey, you know, hey, Mike, I see what you're doing there this is really what I think you mean by that, or this is what I really think you mean to be doing by that. And so, no, I, I agree. I think that it's important to have people in there and I, and you know, and have that ability to just to, you know, like we've said in the past, call you on your, on your bullshit, but also, you know, build you up when you need to be built up. Yeah. So you can become yeah. strong. 
You like that? I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that'd make a good slogan. That would be. It? That would be. Huh, we got to think about that. Put that on. Yeah, I think. Um, I think too the the importance of that mentoring role. You know, to have somebody that that's a little bit further down the path than you are, um, that has has encountered some of the uh, the pitfalls and and whatnot, to have them be able to coach you up. Yeah. Is uh, is an important person to have kind of in your corner to go back to the Rocky analogy. Yeah. I, I love all these callbacks, right? We got mentorship, we got <laughs> coaching, we got friendship, masculine friendship. I mean, we, we, we should start a whole season on all these topics. I was say, we can just re-air a whole bunch of episodes <laughs> and like take the rest of the year off. But no, I, but I, and, and it keeps bringing me back to this place of tension though. Cause Tom, I mean, you're absolutely right. And we have been fortunate in our lives and especially in our friendships with each other that, we, we've given each other the opportunity to get to know us well yeah, enough yeah. to see past the facade, mm-hmm. to see past like the, the jokes and the, like the, yeah. the, whatever the thing is that I'm only going to let you see this, but nobody gets to see the man behind the curtain, mm-hmm. you know, not no yeah. way, not know how. And pause. I think at some point we're going to have to come back and count the movie references we work in, in these episodes, <laughs> either, you know, intentionally or not, but um, so anyway, we know from the the episodes that we did on friendship, right, how rare it is for people to have that person or those people in their life. Right. Right. Because even the even some of the well-intentioned people in your life still don't see you clearly. Mm. Right. You know, parents of grown children still oftentimes see the child they knew. Yeah. Right. And, and I watch this, you know, with, with you guys and all of our friends that have young kids, like I I hear you like lift them up. Like, you know, this one's going to be so great at this, or this one is so great at this, or like, I just, like, I I see this good thing in them and, and I call it out every chance I get. And then I look at, you know, parents of grown children Mm. and I, I still hear them talking about the small child. And sometimes it seems like, and again, we know parents most of the time are trying their best, but it seems like sometimes parents are trying to call the grown child back to <laughs> what they saw in the small child. Yeah. Right, mm. right, wrong, or otherwise, because there are definitely times that the grown child needs to get called back yeah. to what was best and truest about them when they were smaller. But there are times where, because again, nothing ever works for all people all the time, right? Sometimes the parent wants to call the child back to what they wanted for the child instead of what the child is called to, right? right? Or you have colleagues that only see you in your work environment and they know nothing about you, you know, as a family person or as a person of faith or as a person who has interest outside of work, frankly. Yeah. And they keep talking about the vision that they see for you mm. as a worker. Yeah. Right, the the thing that they know you would be great at within the company construct or within the industry construct, without any thought given or without any sight for the rest of you. Yeah. Right. Through no fault of their own, because right. they're calling yeah. out the best of you that they see, but they see you incompletely. Mm-hmm. And so there is still this 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 imperfection right. of you can't do this yourself because you don't see yourself clearly. <laughs> And many of the people that we encounter in our day-to-day 
see us imperfectly as well. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. this, and that's why this is so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We didn't crack the code on this in the first 15 minutes and we're offering the, yeah. like, that's why this is so hard. Right. And that's why you see so many people who feel unsatisfied, mm. who feel like they don't have value or are so constantly trying to prove their value. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, they're pulling a guest on. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely a, like a, a select few people that get that level of access. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe that can grow as you start to feel more and more secure in who you are. And yep. that true identity starts actually being who you're presenting to the world mm-hmm. more and more frequently. Um, but, it, you know, definitely the, the caution in opening yourselves up to the wrong people and having them speak the wrong truth to you, especially if it's at pivotal moments where you're going to somebody because you have a question or because you have a problem really opens up the opportunity for more of those lies and that wounding um, to happen. And also, you know, when we talk about it in terms of movies, I feel like it could be this idea that like, there's this awakening scene and then, you know, (laughs) I'm, I'm good. And I know who I am. And, you know, like uh, when Thor finally realizes his worth again and can, can call the hammer back, (laughs) you know, like, you know, and it makes for an amazing movie scene, but, but our, our life's journey is not like that. Yeah. You know, for me, I need the reminder that, you know, I, I am in process. Right. I am better than I was and I am still moving toward something, um, you know, but, but not there. And, and some of these things can, can come up again. Um, you know, and so a couple of years ago, I got the chance to go to another conference. I, I was uh, going through the transition of leaving the classroom and, and trying to figure out uh, what came next. And, uh, and they played the movie, the company Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, uh, or, or large chunks of the company. Men. Great timing on watching yeah. that one, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. And, uh, and there was that one scene where, uh, where Ben Affleck as Bobby Walker, um, <laughs> nice. you know, just breaks down in the driveway to his wife. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I'm a 37 year old jobless loser. And, and I'd been, you know, walking this identity journey, for a couple of years now and, and new truths about myself that I hadn't known earlier. Um, and that scene, I was 37 years old. Yeah. I was in between jobs and I was like, that's, that's me, yeah. you know? And, and that hit me right back in some of those same identity wounds. Mm-hmm. And so I had to walk it, that whole thing back yeah. and go back to, okay, that's not the truth. Here's what you do know. Here's what you feel called to. And so, you know, just to encourage people out there, like this is a journey and it doesn't go perfect the first time through because it's such an important piece of your story. Yeah. And I I love that story though, Tom, because I mean, it, it is also a reminder to know that just because you know that you have this identity and just because you um, understand that you have to recognize that identity, it still becomes, like you said, a journey. And I think that going back and thinking about the fact that now we have this knowledge and now we know that this is a very important part of our story, it is a lot easier to start walking that path and do it with others 
that can do that for you as well, right? Because yeah. like, yeah. as I've grown and as I've started to realize my identity, it's easier for me to now say, oh, hey, John, I see what you're, how you're seeing this with this perspective. Let me help you aid into really calling truth out in, in yourself and then vice versa, right? Being yeah. able to come back and saying like, hey, man, that's a lie. And having that that same lingo, right? Being able yeah. to, to, to talk on that same level because we both are on this path and this journey together. So, yeah. again, thank you for sharing that because that, that, I mean, yeah. that hits home in so many different ways. Because you, you do have to have that initial breakthrough. Right, yeah. But then you have to keep breaking through, mm-hmm. right? That, that Again, it's the hero's journey, right? The, you, you have that initial moment of, I'm not who I thought I was. Mm-hmm. I'm someone else. And that's just a whole new category for the first time in your yeah. life. But then there's all the remaining times that that gets challenged. Yeah. Right? And so, like, what, the, the movie scene that I most love for this um, and nobody's going to break into song on this, even though it is a musical. And Mike's threatening me with some B-roll <laughs> footage. There is a non-musical version, <laughs> right? And that's what we're going to talk about: is the non-musical version with the uh, the immortal Liam Neeson, who has a special set of skills, especially in this one. <laughs> um, another reference: twenty-seven. Um, <laughs> uh, but but this is the non-musical version of Les Misérables. And Liam Neeson plays Jean Valjean, and Jean Valjean's character has been in prison for about two decades for a petty crime, right? So punishment is significantly outweighing the crime. But during these almost two decades in prison, right, he's literally beaten and figuratively figuratively beaten into submission of this is who you are. You are a convict. You are a thief. You are good for nothing. You're not even a name. You're a number, right? 24601. Like you don't even get to have the identity of a named human being, right? You're you're a commodity. You're a you're a thing, um, and so he finally gets paroled after serving what apparently is a fair sentence for stealing a loaf of bread two decades of your life, and he gets released. But he has to carry this this paper that he can't read because he didn't know how to read. But it says like I'm I'm a convict, right? I'm out. I served my time, but. You should know I'm dangerous. I am not to be trusted. I am a bad, bad person who is good for nothing, right? So he literally has to carry this statement of identity with him and show it to people. And so obviously nobody's going to give him a job. Nobody's going to help him out. Like they're going to turn and run the other way. And so he's sleeping on a park bench in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, he's getting harassed. And and somebody points out, go over there and talk to those people they'll help you. And so he goes over and he knocks on the door and he shows them his paper and it happens to be a bishop and the bishop invites him in, gives him food, gives him a place to sleep. And the whole time throughout the meal, I mean, Valjean is just like, he's playing out this identity that's been imposed upon him. I'm not a good person. How do you know I'm not going to kill you? The bishop's like, how do you know I'm not going to kill you? And he's like, ooh, (laughs) man of God threatening me with death. Should I worry? I don't know. And he has this, you know, sort of like this moment in the middle of the night where he he's promised himself, all right, I can be something other than what I was. But in the middle of the night, all those old memories come back to him, right? All those old nightmares that have haunted him for two decades of everything he's endured come back and convince him like, you're just, you're, you're trash, man. You're, you're a pile of nothing. You'll never change and nobody will ever see you as anything else. And so he wakes up in the middle of the night, robs the bishop, knocks the guy out, actually, when he comes to confront him. 
and makes off with all the you know the treasure that he could gets caught by the cops they bring him back and this incredibly transformational moment occurs like the helper shows up right to do the thing that he couldn't do himself the thing that he couldn't get past and it's this it's this beautiful moment and again nobody breaks into song in this one so if that like you know triggers you you're good here but the, you know, the bishop like tells the cops like yeah uh he's good actually i gave him all of this stuff you you can release him and the cops are like that doesn't sound right you have a black eye and he's got a bag full of stuff from your house and you're telling me this is all above board all right and so the cops let him go and Valjean's just standing there he's like why are you doing this and the bishop walks up to him and he pulls back this hood that shadows Valjean's face right like the the, the symbolism is just incredible right pulls back the hood so his face is no longer in shadow and he stares him in the eye and he says again you just like you get chills he says <laughs> I just like I get chills every time I think about it he says don't forget you've promised to become a new man and Valjean's still looking at him dumbfounded like I should be going back to jail right now. What are you doing? And the bishop says, Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver that I'm giving you, I've bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. And there's this long pause before the scene ends. And it's just like it's focused on Valjean's face. And he's just like he doesn't know what to do. Right? Somebody has just called out this thing that part of him seems to recognize as being true. But this other part of him that's been beaten into submission for two decades is just at war with the notion that it could ever be anything other than. But there's this, there's this moment this first obstacle has been overcome with the help of the helper. But throughout the rest of the story, right? Like that identity is constantly challenged again. Is that really who you're going to be? Or are you going to backslide? Mm. And we see this in every great story, right? The, the parallels are unmistakable as you look at great stories through the ages. Like th this is the journey. This is our journey. But there has to be this initial moment of discovery of what's most true. And it has to come with help. And I, I love that scene. It, maybe it's a little bit on the nose to have it be a man of the cloth. But sure. I just, <laughs> I, I love Jesus giving him identity at that moment. You know, you, you've, you've, use the the word the helper you know and that's that's one of the things that that jesus says the holy spirit's going to be yep. for us right and i i just love that part of that scene i think you're right john it, it's like chills because you know as as a believer watching that scene like that is the way that i'm experiencing that moment is he is receiving truth with a capital t into his life about who he's supposed to be and what the plan for his life is and, and has always been. Yeah. And he's just having his eyes open to it. 
um, it's it's a super powerful scene, and I appreciate the non-musical version. <laughs> <laughs> What's everybody got against music? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, I'm finding back tears, and I think this is a great place to wrap up. I'm I again that movie scene is amazing. It hits me every time. It's one of those I think I mentioned in the last last episode of uh of you know it's not your fault that's like yeah. one, another one of those scenes up there for that mm-hmm. so i think uh for everybody listening out there um that's your homework this week go back check out your favorite movie check out one of the movies we mentioned tonight and just kind of give it a, a different perspective when you watch right kind of find out where you relate to these characters and ask yourself those questions you know who are you and who are you afraid you are right mm-hmm. as john mentioned earlier on in this episode it's important to get that that started right and as you walk down this path of finding your true selves, finding your identity to ask yourself that first question and that follow-up question, not to steal anything from Tom's thunder. Cause I'm probably going to roll that clip right after this, but you know, <laughs> we're on Facebook. We'd love to have this conversation with you. We'd love to be able to talk identity, be able to go back and forth on, on some conversations. And again, if you don't have those other groups or if you don't have that group that you can actually talk to like in person and have a guy movie night and, and kind of maybe even have those, you know, conversations afterwards. I know for a fact we've had a couple guy movie nights and that yep. has been the best part is the conversation after. So don't forget to have that, right? That's an important part, not <laughs> just to watch the movie, not just to eat the popcorn, but to have those conversations. So again, thank you for listening. Um, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Before you go, We just wanted to take a quick minute to thank you for being a part of the conversation and taking on this journey with us. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app and throw us a like or write a review. All of that helps other people find our show. If you're looking for more, head over to our website, strong-towers.com, and sign up to receive notifications whenever we release new content. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at strong underscore towers. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, We Are Strong Towers to keep the conversation going throughout the week. If you want to support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash strong towers for your chance to score some strong tower swag and get access to exclusive content. We appreciate y'all and we'll see you back here real soon.